And so I apologize if it sounds like I needed some uh, NG volume. I think you guys are doing a great job. <laughs> you were the downer of the group, man. We were. Oh, but I'm just. I'm depressed. That I was... wanted to give you a hug somehow. On the. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of five to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jabber link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 106 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Jules Kramer. Hey there. Lucas Rubelke. Hey there. Ward Bell. Hello, hello. I'm Charles Max Wood from devchat.tv. And this week, we're going to be talking about the release candidate that was released today as we record. That's release candidate five. Woo! So where do we start with what's new here? I think the biggest thing that's new in RC5 is we'll hand it over to Ward, and he can give a great overview of ng-module. Yeah, ng-modules is pretty, is pretty big. But before I even get there, I'm going to go back to you uh, <laughs> and, and say, like, what should um, people think about RC5, aside from the fact that it's just a, a, a major departure from RC4? And, and as our listeners know, that you know our listeners have been very faithful, and they've been going from beta to RC, and they go through the RCs, and they've had, you know, they've had to endure some remarkable changes, and this one yep. is really remarkable. Is it, are we done with those? I really want to start the rumor that this is nearly final but I don't know if that's true. <laughs> okay, so first of all, remember I'm a Google employee and we never talk about release dates, but here's what I'll say to think about. So, you know, one of the things I've learned in the year of being with the Angular team after spending most of my career working on non-open source productivity platforms is that release candidacy to, to me meant something else. And I've really struggled a little bit with the naming of release candidacy and why are, why do we have 17 release candidates? Release candidates supposed to be like one, maybe two, and that's the final thing, right? And there shouldn't be a lot of breaking changes. And that was my expectation when I got to this point on the Angular team of what release candidacy meant. Um, but what I've learned is that in the open source world, and maybe even particularly to uh, the fact that this is a Google-produced product in the open source world, is that release candidacy was really our first opportunity to get feedback outside of our, you know, sort of what I'm going to call the inner circle. And what I mean by that is during alpha and, and during beta, you know, we've got a select set of 
Google developer experts uh, like Lucas and Ward, and we've got some partners that we work with like Ionic and Meteor, and throughout all of those cycles, we were getting feedback from those groups. But the release candidacy was our first time to really say to the millions of you know, Angular developers out there and enterprise companies and other partners that we don't talk to every day, like, hey, here's what we're thinking. And so it was also the first time that we got to have a lot of feedback outside of that core team. And so being able to see, you know, where maybe we weren't on the right page. And I think that NG Modules is a great example of that. Um, but there's, of course, other glaring examples. So that's why we have the new, what are we calling it now? The new, new, new router? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon, and, it'll just be the router, and everybody yeah. will forget there ever was a past. Yeah, and so I think for a lot of people, and what I read on Twitter, and, you know, what I've had people come and tell me is, you know, they were expecting, like, stability and no real breaking changes because we said it was a release candidate. And I think in our brains... Um, and what's come around to my brain is that release candidacy was really a time to see what we didn't consider outside of Google. And so I also hear this meme all the time, like, oh, Angular's built for Google. And so, you know, it's built for Google. And I, and I think I've said this on this podcast before, as if that's a bad thing. It's a great thing because Angular is used by such a wide variety of customers within Google. So everything from people doing websites to, you know, we have lots of line of business apps internally that run our business, just like every other business on the planet. And so while we got all of, you know, the insights from that type of development, we weren't getting insights from people who don't have the unique infrastructure and development tooling and all of those things um, outside of Google. And so this was our time to really fix that. And I, and I think uh, NG modules is a great example. And like I said, router. So what does release candidacy mean? I, I think the way that I'm going to address this question and without getting fired is to uh, direct you to the Angular Weekly Meeting Notes. Um, and the short link for that is g.co slash ng slash weekly dash notes. Um, because we really put into those notes where we think we are. And so if you read those notes, you'll see that from now until we release RC6, we are planning no more breaking changes. And if you read those notes, you'll also see that we differentiated between router forms and I18N between and core, right? And uh, the reason for that differentiation is that what we didn't want to do was say, oh, we're on a code freeze, right? And so we can have a stabilization period. Um, to things like router forms and I18N, which are kind of separate, but part of Angular as its framework. And so we want Kara and Victor and VicB to be able to add new features and not be in a code freeze, but we also want to make sure that core is stable before we release RC6. Um, RC6's main goal is to take all of the deprecated APIs out so that we can see if there's any big problem from doing that or sort of force the, the world down the path of not using what we're deprecating. I mean, I think if you look at those notes, you'll see that uh, RC6 is a big hint. Yeah, I th it's a big hint. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't get, well, I can get fired, but I don't care because I'm not an employee. <laughs> so so here's, here's my take based on uh, reading those tea leaves and stuff like that. RC5 is pretty darn near what you're going to see. So, Chuck, if you wanted to tell the world that um, RC5 is pretty much what the final release is, I feel you'd be right on track with that. So I can't uh, start my rumor. Woo! You can start, you can start your rumor. I'll start uh, with about 12,000 people. Right. Uh, we don't, you know, I mean, we, we want this to be it. 
software always needs to have bug fixes and things like that, so we're yep. going to keep fixing bugs. Uh, but the API, the core API, what you see is now in RC5 is what you're going to get, barring just like you know this, you know, like we have to thump our heads and say how stupid could we be. Uh, so now it's just a question of how to get it to you and how to give you time to get where you want to be. And we got lots of deprecated stuff, and nobody's going to. Re- we're not going to release uh, Angular with deprecated stuff in it. So we're going to yank that out. And anybody who has an existing app is that, you know, if you're doing going RC5 today, you're going to be fine. But come the next RC, when that deprecated stuff disappears, you either catch up or you're broken. Uh, And so that's your heads up. That's your two by four to the head to get with it. That's also our chance to see if we do something horrible by yanking the (laughs) the deprecated stuff out. We don't think we will, but that's it. And then there's a grace period. The way I see it, this is a grace period for you to get the rest of the way home and for us to make sure that we haven't made any other gaffes between that time when we pulled the deprecated stuff and the time we meant the gold standard. Yep. And so let me let me also just add in there for the listeners, and I don't know how fast this podcast is going out this time, but um, but like I said, we had done a lot of internal testing. We feel that with the RC5 release, we've had enough use cases that are external to Google that we've found all of the big things, right? Um, But if you're a big enterprise or you're a developer at a big enterprise and you've got a particular use case and you don't think we know about it, you know, uh, y'all know where to find me and and we would love to know about it. The more people who are sort of feeding us back the problems, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're opening up issues on GitHub or whatever. It means that we understand like maybe the greater architecture problems. Um, We'd love to hear from you. I think all of that really, though, does clarify things because, yeah, when I think about release candidates, and I've been in the open source world for quite a long time, but I always still thought of it as uh, this is what we'd like to put out there as the final version, you know, barring any bugs or anything like that. And so that clarification really helps because then it's, look, we're putting it out there so we can have the conversations we need to have to make sure that it works for everybody. Exactly. And I think that's sort of different. And I, you know, I remember after, uh, after NG Conf when, when Brad and I did the keynote and we said this release candidacy thing, and then all of a sudden the team in the room that night was talking about like RC2. And I'm like, wait a minute, how did we get all the way to RC2 already? Like it's release candidacy. Like, what does that mean? And I think it was Igor who told me we had like more than seven RCs for Angular 1. And I was like, really? Wow. And that was the first like view I had into like, it's different. Like the RC expectation was different. And although I've seen the memes like, oh, more, more instability in the release candidacy than in the beta. Right. And, and actually that's a good thing because it means that we heard from our users and the developers that we had not thought through some things and we were able to, to fix those and, and, you know, what comes out in final will be better for it. But I think it's worth the wait and it's worth the trouble because in this last push, we have done some really remarkable things to the product. Yeah. And they are all all good things. And we should probably touch on a few of them um, just to, you know. But, of course, I do expect that people will hear this podcast relatively soon. So, that, um, so uh, we should be able to – there will still be fresh news here. <laughs> yeah, between, between uh, you, me, and everyone else, this is going to go out next week. So, All right. So so I'm just going to 
pick the things that I think are really big. And I agree with you, Jules. Uh, the mod, Angular modules, NG module, is uh, probably the biggest change that, that happened in RC5. It was driven by our uh, work on the, the compilers, which I'm going to talk about second. But just so you have an intuition, uh, the the idea is, of course, that you know if you build your application, it's you want to organize it into useful chunks of features and functionality. And there wasn't a formal um, construct within Angular that could represent that. And and now there is, and it's called ng module. And so you can sort of you can partition your app into these use you know things that make sense to you. Like if I had an ERP system, I probably have a customers module and a for, you know a, 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 a orders module and so forth like that. I I break it up like that. Yeah. So uh, you know one of the things I first uh, sorry to interrupt, but one of the things I first said when I read the design document was, and I think I actually pinged this to you, Ward, was, "Hey, mm -hmm. didn't we used to do this back in the day?" And uh, Angular and, dot module in Angular one. No, I mean back in my C sharp and oh uh, oh you know that days, where where this is essentially how we used to break up our apps, right? And so I might be responsible for the person component, for example. We didn't call it that, but. Um, and Ward was responsible for the orders one, and then we just kind of pushed them together at the end in our app. Uh, that was in Angular 1. Then we said, yippee, modules are gone <laughs> in Angular 2. Well, they're back. Uh, that was then my next question was that I don't know Angular 1, but what I have heard uh, from people is that, oh, this is like Angular 1. So I'd love it if, as you're going through your overview, if you touched on that. Yeah, yeah, it I don't want to make too much about it because uh, you know, of that connection, but it'll it people did write Angular one modules in order to do the same kind of thing, and so we, we have an Angular two module. It's different than uh, much different actually than the Angular one technically, um, but it's it's useful for compartmentalizing your application in just that way. One of the thing, great things about Angular modules is you know one of the annoyances that everybody has experienced so far pre-RC5, is that they had, when you write your templates and you wanted to make use of uh, components and directives and stuff that you wrote, you had to, on every new component, you had to have these directives and pipes. And you'd have to repeat yourself over and over again in order to be able to use something like, you know, your my, my foo directive or my bar component, something like that. Well, now um, it doesn't work like that. You declare all of those components, to, um, uh, directives and pipes, in the module and say, hey, I'm going to, or you import them from something else if you have a shared collection. I mean, you say, hey, I want to use these on my templates in my components in this module. And bang, they're there just as if they were native HTML. No more component.directives or component.pipes. And I expect people will be cheering at this point because nobody really loved enumerating those. So that's a big thing. One of the other big things is that we don't bootstrap the main component anymore. We bootstrap a module, a root module. So you define a root module at the beginning of your application that uh, is going to hold um, just the, the sort of the initial root component and set up any services that you want to have globally throughout your application. And then you boot that module and up it comes. And so that's your starting place. Your starting place is your app module. Um, whereas it used to be your app component. That gives you a chance to really do all that initialization that was kind of hard to do in your app component. 
So, and then from there, what you do is you start uh, importing your uh, the modules that represent the different feature areas of your application. Or, and this is also really big and new, you may decide that you want that you're going to have a router in your application, so you can route from one one feature area to another, and you may decide that you want to lazy load those feature areas. So let's say I start the application and the first place I go is sort of some dashboard. That's cool. The dashboard comes right up. Then they decide, you decide, the user decides that they want to go look at the customer's feature. And that gets lazy loaded asynchronously because it's sitting in a module. And then they navigate. They say, well, you know, I'm done with customers. I want to go look at orders. And so they click on a link and now it's lazy. That's lazy loaded. So what you do is you get this kind of pay to play. Uh, feel uh, from your modules, and, and and it's really easy to load the functionality that you need for you as a user now uh, dynamically as you go. And because these th the router's doing the work here, and my top module doesn't even have to know about that. All I just have to do is set my routes up, and this stuff comes in just in time as I need it, which is pretty cool. Because I can also now, gosh, I've always wanted to do this, uh, and Jules, you know this, both in the enterprise and in commercial software. You want to say that certain users get certain kinds of features, and they only get those features. And you don't want to bake those in, because then everybody has them, and you're trying to figure out how to disable them. So now you can just control that all with routes. I find out that Jules is allowed to have everything, and man, she just Of course she's got I the, am. Exactly. So she Why wouldn't you, all. right? Exactly. Yeah. But Chuck is just a schmo down in the mail room, and so all he gets is the mail teacher. And yeah, I snuck in this room and turned on the mic. <laughs> so, so anyway, that you know, you're going to be able to do stuff like that there, and it's super easy to uh, set up the routes to do this lazy loading thing. So, I think lazy loading is another one of the big things that comes in RC five. Can I clarify something here? So, when you say lazy loading, is that where it actually goes back to the server and says, give me more? It absolutely can do that. That's going to be the packaging, which is another big thing that's happening in RC5. The options for packaging, what goes in what gigantic JavaScript file that comes down, that packaging is coming um, very soon. And we're going to be, you're going to be able to decide as the developer whether... Um, uh, you know, you know, what is the right unit of stuff to come flowing over the wire? So the lazy loading then is more around the fact that I can have like an, an admin customer component and uh, chuck the schmo customer component and it'll lazily load that dependency at runtime so that it, it only has access to what I want it to. Well, it could come over the wire or it could come all at once. It'll all depend on how you package it. So uh, I'm just getting to your point about whether when I request the Chuck Schmo feature, whether it goes over the wire or not is entirely developer's choice. Right. If When you don't do anything at all, it goes over the wire. But later, if you want to really, you know, make this super optimal for, um, you know, for somebody to have it close by and load a bunch of modules at once, you can package them all together and they'll all come down. So, so as a developer trying to shape the size of things for production use, I'm going to have a lot of options here. Lucas has been real quiet. Do you have any questions, Lucas? Oh, I'm just sitting here being sad and grumpy about all of the tons of content 
that I need to rip up and redo <laughs> C5. And we're talking hundreds of plunks, hundreds of projects, videos. Well, Jules has been it. gone, and so Lucas. it's Ward's fault. <laughs> I apologize to you and to everyone else who has that problem. It was something that we discussed at length and we had, you know, many, many conversations with the tech leads. And, you know, the bottom line is that the, the question that we had to address was, is it is is Angular better if we do this? And the answer was yes. And we knew that this was going to be ugly for some people. Um, and we hoped to give everyone as much notice as we can. Um, but yeah, I apologize for that. Yeah, that's part of being in there ahead of the ahead of the release. So, but we're you know the end result is worth it because uh, there's the next big thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the new compiler options that you face. Right now, or pre previous to RC five, we really only have been able to do things one way, which is that we would download Angular, come over the wire, and inside of Angular is this giant compiler that looks at the templates and looks at all that information and figures how everything is supposed to go and then produces some code, fast code, that, that wires it all together. Uh, and there are two things that were, are problematic with that. One is that the compiler is pretty big. It's as much as half of Angular altogether. And the other is that that soaks up a lot of the sort of initial execution time while it sits there and compiles and puts things together. So you have to wait until that's done before your app is ready to use. If you could take those processes back and do them as part of your build process, then we wouldn't have to ship the compiler down. Angular becomes smaller. And you wouldn't have to wait until it compiled anything because it would already be compiled. Uh, and now that's possible. So you can still do it the in-the-browser way, which is great for development, and that's called the just-in-time compiler. But, you know, when you're trying to have a really good production uh, uh, result, you'll want to switch to the ahead-of-time compiler, pre-compile all that stuff, and only send down the, the core Angular libraries and the extra libraries you want, but not the compiler, because everything will already be compiled and already ready, sitting there ready to execute when it lands in the browser. So so we've got these two great options, but the, the ahead of time compiler is really the exciting thing for people who need applications that are small and start fast and run fast. That is really cool. And I, I know that that, that uh, payload size is definitely something that people are sensitive about on mobile. And so by being able to address that and saying, all of that work is done somewhere else, and then it just comes right up on the phone it's going to be very big in the in those environments, I think, and very big in ones where the bandwidth isn't terrifically good. So if you're if you're in a part of the world or in a part of the back country that doesn't have a great internet connection, you'll be able to get going and do things uh, do things better. So I think those things are big. Uh, we have a new forms uh, module that's coming out uh, that is much improved. We started to see that in RC4, but it's gotten even better. The router has um, gotten much better uh, for RC5. RC5 is really a big, it's a giant step forward from RC4. And uh, it's almost the gold standard. So uh, I think it's pretty exciting. One thing that I'm wondering about, and this is something that both you, Ward, and you, Jules, mentioned was the deprecations and how you're going to get rid of the deprecations in RC6 and then make sure that things don't fall apart. 
Uh, I'm curious, how much stuff really was deprecated then in RC5? I mean, how big a change is this? Because if, if it's deprecated, then if you drop RC5 on top of an RC4 app, it should run. It'll give you deprecation warnings, but it should run. So if you drop RC6 on an RC4, how much stuff's going to break? Well, I think that depends on how much you were relying on deprecated APIs. But we did have an intern, and I don't know the size of the deprecation surface, but we 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 are not deprecating anything that has not had notice for more than two releases. Okay. Wait, did I say that right? That has not had notice. For... Anyway, we should have given you two releases. I think I screwed up that sentence in my head. Um, notice, right? And so we're not there. There is nothing in RC five that we're suddenly deprecating in okay. RC six. So what you're telling me is that if I'm using RC four and I'm getting deprecation warnings. I'm not going to be, I might get new deprecation warnings in RC5, but nothing is going to disappear out of RC6. You uh, should not get new, Ward, correct me if I'm wrong, but you should not get new deprecation warnings in RC5. There, there should have been a stability of two releases. Okay. Well, I, I, I probably do have to tell you. That there's, that's a lie? Am I lying? Oh, well, I, did I miss that? I, you know, <laughs> I was out. I was out for the RC four release, and so I was out of the office on, on a leave, and so I could have missed that. Well, that you know what I think that's largely true for a lot of the pieces, but there's a lot of time between RC four and RC five. So, so the policy you're describing was really great when we were having weekly releases, but there was a big gap in here between RC four and RC five, and so a lot the big of gap was because I was out of the office. I'm just kidding. I think that's what it was. They didn't check. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are a lot of um, uh, names that have changed. Uh, the whole testing apparatus, which by the way is also one of the great things that's coming in RC that's in RC five and the testing chapter isn't out yet, but it's going to be. Um, and so lots of improvements in that, but a lot of names have changed, but I probably the thing that will affect almost every developer. And that's a deprecation. Um, the things, uh, uh that NG module displaces. So that means the way you'll bootstrap, which is actually easy. It's like, it's like five minutes to fix your the way you bootstrap, but you got to take the five minutes, and then you got to sweep through your code, and because all of the uh, component dot directives and dot pipes are going to disappear, that's deprecated, and that that just happened between RC four and RC five. So uh, you're going to have to do that in order for RC six to work. Now that happens to be a mechanical process. A really mechanical process. Basically, what you do is you look at each of your components, you yank your directives and pipes into a list, and yank them out, and go to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And when you're done, you dedupe it and you drop it into um, the module that owns all that stuff, and you're pretty much in good shape. So it's mechanical. It's not going to be bad, but you've got to do it. So what you're saying is that instead of declaring all the dependencies on the component, I can declare them in the module? You betcha. Oh, and I suddenly, I liked you guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, this is one of those things where everybody is going to say, oh, you want me to do that work? I can't wait. Let me get that stuff yeah. out of there. All right? So it's well, terrible yeah, because, if you've written a video, but, you know. Because <laughs> Lucas has those videos. It's hard to go back and edit the directives and pipes out of those videos. But everybody who's got an app is going to be saying, like, thank you. Well, the thing is, is that then I don't have to keep track of where I've injected all this stuff. Because the module yeah. will keep track of it. 
Yep, and if you forgot one, the template, uh, the the compiler error is great about telling you about it, which was also just one of the many great improvements. Now that now that the compiler expects to know at compile time what's what and where's what's where, the error messages you get are much clearer about the fact that you got your you know hey you said you wanted a foo and there's no foo here. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, so you can fix that stuff. Anyway, you, right now, the way, we, the way we've shipped RC5 is you can still have those things in there, and Angular makes its best effort to promote whatever you wrote in declarations, I'm sorry, in your directives and pipes, up to the declarations of the module. It will do its best, uh, and it'll get it right probably 90-plus percent of the time. But that stuff's going away, so by RC6, you're going to have to have moved those things out, or your code won't work. So I've got a couple more questions. One of them is, um, I know, Ward, you were talking about the documentation. Uh, this episode, it looks like it'll go out on the 18th. So assuming it's the 18th, will the documentation reflect all of these changes? The documentation reflects all of those changes as I speak. Awesome. Yeah, it's one of the things that I find the most amazing about this product and the release process that we go through, right? Like, I think I've mentioned on stage at ng-conf that I've, I've never seen a product team be like, we can't release until the docs are done. But I will stand here and tell you that this morning when um, Igor cut RC5, Kara retweeted someone who found it. And I'm like, but wait, we didn't do the blog post. And Naomi says, oh, because we're pushing the docs. The docs have to get out before we announce. So I, I would say that our content and the docs that Word does for us so amazingly are absolutely part of what we consider a release, and we're not releasing until they're done. I wish I could take credit for it, but what we have is a fabulous authoring team that has worked busily to keep all of these things in sync and ready for RC5. So I, my kudos to the entire authoring team. And you go to the contributors page of Angular, and you'll see them all there, and uh, um, you know, they're, they're a great group. So I guess the next question is, is how do I install the release candidate? Do I just do an NPM install for Angular 2 again? or? Well, the good news is that if you go to the cookbook section, you will find an RC4 to RC5 migration guide. And it'll tell you what to do. Oh, nice. And, yet, and yes, it is essentially cleaning out your old node modules and putting the new ones in. And a couple of little, like, like I said, there's this bootstrapping dance that you have to do. It's about five minutes of work in one place, and you're back in business. This is exciting. I think it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm happy, and because I'm happy for two reasons. One, I'm really happy with where we've come out. I think the changes that we've made, which were painful because nobody really wanted to, to change things that much, but I think they're worth it. I think they make the product great. And the other thing that I really like is that I honestly believe this is it. You, that, you know. <laughs> so, Lucas, crank up the video machine. I'm just shooting all Angular 1 videos these days. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think this is this is it. I, I you know, I, I could be eating my words, but I don't think so. I, I think you're safe there, uh, Lucas. I don't think Angular One's changed a whole lot anymore. Nope. It's uh, although my course on writing Angular One with Angular Two uh, patterns is now in flux a bit, but regardless, I wonder if I'm missing any. Have I left anything out, Jules? That that stood out in your mind. 
No, I was just going through our my my little checklist, and uh, I think those were the big ones. If I have an RC4 app, I'm hustling to get this thing up and going and seeing um, seeing how it goes. Uh, and, and and this is really the time to, especially if you've got an enterprise product, yep. this is the time to shake it out and uh, tell us about it because your window for making changes is shrinking. It's shrinking. Uh, yeah, and the other thing, I guess the last thing I would mention uh, is that now is also the time for us as a core team, and uh, most actually most of this team is external contributors, uh, is to make the CLI good too. So, you know, one of the things you can't do is build tools with a, a moving target as the end state. So now is the time for us to also bake the CLI and make sure that it does all the great things that we need it to do. And I think that's going to be a focus for us as we uh, do no further breaking changes in between RC5 and RC6. Jeez, we aren't even talking about how <laughs> the the, mag- the amazing things that are happening in the CLI world, which are, and you're right, they're trying to catch up. But one of the big ones is the move from System.js to Webpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so that, and that's what I was specifically talking about. So we, we had a meeting yesterday on the CLI and, um, you know, trying to make sure that we have a plan for it to also be included as, as an Angular release that we may do in the coming uh, future. So, uh, Definitely the CLI is something to keep an eye on, and it'll have some changes in the coming weeks um, as it moves to support RC6. (laughs) Now, did you say that you're moving from System.js to Webpack? You did hear that right. Yes. You know, we haven't percolated that all the way through everything yet, but it it sure looks like a a conclusion uh, to me. I'm looking forward to seeing how that how that plays out. Uh, the good news for an Angular application is that most of that stuff happens outside of your existing app application. It's all about setup, and it's pain, you know setup is painful, has been painful anyway. Yeah, it's um, a dumpster for, fire. Uh, we already had that conversation. Yes, we had that. We had that conversation. But it, but but at least the fire is out of the house, right? The house is safe. The dumpster's in the back. So <laughs> we got to fix that. We got to fix that. But inside the the friendly confines of your Angular application, um, the world is still as it was. And, but that that is uh, something we'll be um, we'll be challenged with to make that transition. So I guess the last thing I'm wondering with this, because generally there's a list of things that have to happen before the release, quote unquote. I mean, we we were kind of tracking this. When we were looking at, oh, when are we going to get the beta for Angular 2? And then when are we going to get a release candidate for Angular 2? And so I'm curious, for final, is there a list? And is there a place where we can go look at the list and see how long it is? And then is there any idea how long we're going to watch and see for stability? Are you just pushing me? You're really trying hard to get me to give you a date, aren't you? Uh, Date range would be a... (laughs) (laughs) okay no i'm just trying to give people an idea you know what are we close are there other things that are likely to change and so when when you when you ask for this list are you referring to sort of the 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 burn down list that we had done uh previously that's more of a product in focus no i other than what you see in the Angular Weekly meeting notes, um, there isn't a list like that. And and actually, there should be not a huge list of those, and the, there should be basically one line on that list. That would be bug fixes. Okay. 
Um, and of course, all software ships with bugs. We don't expect to fix all of the bugs, but this period of no further breaking changes in core excludes bug fixes. And so I think that triaging and ensuring that we fix the biggest bugs uh, is the next thing on that list. My list is completely different than that list because I'm not engineering this product. So do I have a list of things that have to happen before final? Yes, it's not a public list. But those things, you know, include making sure we let our GDEs know what's coming, making sure we let uh, the partners that we're aware of know uh, what's coming so that people like, you know, Packet Publishing and Egghead and poor Lucas can, you know, redo uh, content where necessary. Um, so as, as leading the DevRel team, yeah, we have a list of things that, that need to happen um, before we can release something as final. As far as an engineering list goes, I think you're seeing it in the weekly notes, and it's called bug fixes. Okay. And I have my list of, uh, uh, of documentation things that we want to do. There's, there's, we have some areas that are uncovered that need attention. Uh, you know, if I had to say, I think that because um, I'm not again, I'm not part. Of it. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's definitely before the World Series. It's <laughs> wait, wait, when is the World Series? When is the World? I'm I don't know sports. When I don't the World either, Series? but I know it's in October. Okay. Uh, I would bet my house that it's before then, uh, and I bet my car that it's before you get your kids to school. I would bet my house, and it's in Maui, so that's a huge bet, right? I, I would bet my house with you, Ward. I don't even remember when my kids start school, so I can't say that. My kids start school in about two weeks. No, 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 no. I, not your kids, then. <laughs> <laughs> my, oh, I do know. My son starts college, and it's September 22nd. So what do you think, Ward? I think you're safe. I think you're <laughs> safe. Uh, no, it's, it's really soon. And the key thing, for, you know, I know that for many enterprises, there's some, you know, you're simply not even, you may not even be able to go to your manager unless the thing is already released. And I, I, I wish I could give you something. But, but here, but I think if you're not living in that environment, but you're living in an environment in which it says, look, I, I, I just can't have this thing change out from under me. Um, is this is this really it? And I think the answer is yes. Starting with RC five, I really think this is it. I really do too. And I mean, that's going to, you know, it's, it's funny being in a room with Igor and Mishko and all of the engineering team because they're always hesitant to say, to say yes. And I think that's because, you know, they, they want to make the best product ever. And, you know, if some big thing gets found because we removed some deprecated APIs and all of a sudden I think they'd want to fix it. Um, I also think there's a time when you say enough is enough and, you know, we, we can always release more software. We know the core is stable. So, no more breaking changes. Yeah, that's fair. And and to that point, I mean, I think generally the community appreciates that the engineers are very committed to making sure that it's it's well put together and stable and that they've done the right thing in the right place. And so, yeah, we all want to know, okay, you know, September 32nd, we can just hit it. But we also know that that's sometimes not a reality that you can commit to with software. So Yeah, and I think that's why you hear all of us that work at Google and this is true even before I joined the Angular team, you know, shy away from from ever giving out specific dates. Um, I think all of us or most of us have been in the software world long enough that you never know what's around the next corner, but I think, you know, what Ward's saying is is pretty uh, it's pretty accurate. Cool. Well, anything else we should uh, go into before we hit the picks? Oh, I forgot about picks. 
Me too. Five and heads down. I've been off work so long I forgot about picks. It's horrible. I think we're there. I'm going to have to dream up my picks. But Well, I'll go ahead and jump in and uh, throw some out. I've got a real big pile of interesting stuff from movies and TV shows and stuff in my office. In fact, I have so much of it that I'm looking at putting a couple of floating shelves on the other wall so that I can put more of it out. And a lot of it came through a company called Loot Crate. So I, I don't know if it's been picked on the show before. I may have picked it a long time ago. But basically, I get a box of stuff every month. Uh, I get t-shirts. I get bobbleheads. I got a Terminator head. I've got a uh, Tribble from Star Trek. I've got a whole bunch of different kinds of things from like Warcraft. I've got a Ninja Turtle over there. Uh, so it's got- interesting because I have been looking at loot anime for my son as a, he's going to college. And, you know, I wanted to do like, I was thinking like mom send care packages, but he loves anime. And so I was looking at loot anime, but I don't know anyone who's used it. Yeah, I haven't tried it. The, the loot crates are really cool, though. It's the same company, so I'd assume that if it's really cool with the crate, that the anime would probably be pretty good, too. Yeah, if, if it's the same company, then they do a terrific job with those. And, uh, yeah, my kids, <laughs> they come in, Dad, can I play with that? No. Dad, can I have that? You know, because I'll open it up and start going through it. It's pretty funny. But, yeah, it's, it's terrific stuff. It's high-quality stuff. It's not that expensive. And, uh, yeah, so I, I highly, highly recommend them. They are terrific. Another pick that I have, and this is one that I, I don't talk enough about, I don't think, and that is Sticker Mule. So I get stickers for all the shows at Sticker Mule. I've been kind of tempted because now they're doing magnets. In fact, they sent me a, a package with magnets in it. And so I've got, like, the MailChimp chimp head and uh, the Dribble logo and the Google Chrome logo, uh, the like thumbs up. Um, from Facebook and the Octocat from GitHub. And they all came in the same envelope. And so I'm, I'm looking at different ways that I can, you know, give out swag and, and get people involved and, and enjoying the brands around the podcasts. And uh, the stickers are always a hit. I usually get the, the three-inch square, which uh, takes up a good chunk of somebody's uh, back of their laptop. And people, people put them on there proudly. So... Uh, Sticker Mule is another one. And they, again, don't cost a ton and a lot of fun stuff. Lucas, do you have some picks for us? I do indeed have some picks. Uh, I have a couple here. So I think my favorite pick of the week is um, I bought an Osmo coding set off of Amazon. And it's kind of a simple thing that you can hook up with your iPad. And it has these kind of cubes that you assemble and um, it's for small children. Uh, so I bought it for my five-year-old. And last night we sat down and he was able to actually kind of pick it up in like five minutes. But the idea is like, okay, I need to walk. I need to go up, you know, two squares over. Then I need to walk, you know, down two squares. And so you're kind of causing whoever's playing to start to think in kind of you know, abstractions. Um, and so I'm pretty excited that my five-year-old is starting to kind of you know, be interested in these things. I actually had to kind of tear them away from the game, which I thought was uh, pretty rad. So it's really well done. Um, so the Osmo coding set is about 50 bucks. And then I think you have to buy your base uh, setup, but it's really good and approachable for young children who are looking to, you know, possibly learn how to program. Uh, my second pick is I was at Costco yesterday and they had these Premier Protein Shakes. 
that um, they're on sale right now for about 19 bucks. But even at full price, uh, at 25 bucks, you get 18 of them. But each one of them is 30 grams of protein. More importantly, there's only one gram of sugar. And so if you use protein to kind of you know, satisfy you know, kind of sugar cravings throughout the day or whatever, um, this is a really great price for protein. And you can actually take some cold brew, cold brew coffee. Uh, just drop a little bit in there, and it tastes really uh, quite good. My last pick is NG Migrate, um, which is at ngmigrate.telerik.com. So it's a project started uh, by uh, Todd Motto. Um, him and I have been collaborating on some stuff, and I have an article that is going to be dropping in the next day or two about um, from Angular 1 controllers into Angular 2 uh, component classes. But it's a really solid project. I think it's going to go a long ways for bridging the gap from Angular 1 to Angular 2. So I it, think Todd's done a great job and super happy to be collaborating on that with him. It is a super great project. And just so you know, it's actually a line item on my final to-do list. So I should probably reach out to you because the DevRel team has a priority to focus on ng upgrade and ng migrate. Um, and so I have it as a note to reach out to Todd. And so I'll reach out to you and we can chat about it. We should have him on the show, actually. He's yes, quite, quite daddy and awesome. Cool. So I can go with my picks now. Go for it. Okay. So I went on a – I do a hiking trip with my children every year. I've been doing it for about 12 years. And the week before we left, Stephen Fluin, our, one of our developer advocates, brought in his Phantom 4. So one of my picks is definitely if you're interested in high-res, amazing video experiences. So I can't do like the little games for my kids anymore. I got an 18 and a 15-year-old. They need the expensive toys. So we went out. We got a Phantom 4, and it has been the coolest experience to do with my children. because What is that? What is a Phantom 4? It's the drone with the HD camera in it. Uh-huh. And at first I thought it was going to be really difficult to fly. And I, I was not going to buy it for my kids because I thought, oh, they're going to crash it. And it's a really expensive toy. But Stephen actually brought his in. And my daughter was here on campus with me. And we played with it. And she was able to fly it. And it lands by itself, which is – I was really worried. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to crash it when I land it. But it actually just push a button. And it comes down to the ground. And it's pretty awesome. But the coolest part about it for me is I mean, my kids are really creative. And so they've gotten together and, and videoed places where we've lived for their entire lives. And they did this montage of sort of their childhood home and where they grew up. And it was really, really, really cool. So if you're interested at all in like video and, and making HD movies or creativity like that, I can't, I can't tell you how fun the Phantom 4 is to use. My other pick would be uh, a company called Munchery. So it's munchery.com. And I actually was first turned on to them when I was commuting up to San Francisco in my first job at Google. But they just came back to San Diego. And as I mentioned, I was out of the office. I was actually out of the office for a medical reason. And I, um, Munchery was amazing because basically every day at 3 o'clock, they delivered the most amazing meals to my doorstep. And I relied on them uh, for weeks uh, to get me through my uh, food intake for the day. And it's not like any other delivery company that I've ever used before. Um, the food is is in is perfectly assembled for how to reheat it, and the food is awesome. So highly, highly recommend Munchery, Munchery.com. And my last pick is special because, as you all know, I'm a huge beer drinker. 
But I primarily only like Belgian beers. I, I don't like this whole California IPA craze thing. I don't, I don't understand it. But if you love beer and you love IPAs, I have a new favorite beer, and it's actually an IPA. So go out and find Alpine Beer Company's Duet, and it is, it is that good that it's converted a Belgian beer drinker. So wow. those are my picks. Well, that's, that's news I can use. <laughs> nice. I mean, the Phantom Four, Star Wars, eh, but beer—that I get. <laughs> I'm glad Action I talked about today. Ward, do you have so, some picks? Well, I've been so heads down on this thing, but I do. Every once in a while, I sneak away to watch the Olympics, and I am blown away by some incredibly dominant performances by some amazing women, uh, U.S. women. Uh, Katie Ledecky comes out uh, to mind. I just watched her set the world record uh, in the freestyle, some, some ridiculous distance by two seconds. Nobody beats anybody by two seconds, but she does. The women's basketball team is uh, just doing amazing things. The women's gymnastics team was up 10 points over everybody else in the world. That's an entire apparatus. You can completely forget about you know, the balance beam and a win if you're up by 10 points. The women's beach volleyball has also been great fun to watch. So uh, I'm watching a lot of that stuff when I'm not, uh, not got my fingers on the keyboards. And, and go check some of those out. This has been really fun and really interesting to see where things are going with Angular. So uh, thank you all for sharing. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this show up, and we'll catch you all next week. Peace out. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Later. 